0: Hey White Sox fans, guess what? It's the Southside Sox Mothership Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Valentini. I've posted 82 of these until now. Now it's 83. Welcome. It's good to have you with us. We're talking White Sox, even though we'd be on the verge of actually covering real White Sox baseball in the alternate universe where everything is super cool. But we here at the Mothership Podcast have uh, taken the form, the Wonder Twin uh, quadruplets have taken the form not of a box of snack cakes or an ice bridge, but A bucket of cold water that we're going to dump on your hopes for a normal baseball season because it just ain't going to happen. We need a James Fox on this podcast to tell us, oh, follow the money. They'll play. They're going to play a ton of games. No James Fox, so you're going to get the bucket of cold water. But that's in the second half of this podcast. First half, we're going to talk a little bit about the Southside Sox, White Sox Hall of Fame. The robust vote is underway. You have until Sunday to vote. If you don't, you really might get your Southside Sox membership card provoked. I got to tell you, we might be checking. We might be checking wallets. Uh, But we have got a good turnout so far. And in fact, a number of players are on track in this new world of just vote for as many players as you want. Uh, We're on track to have a number of players uh, enter the Southside Sox, White Sox Hall of Fame. And so let me ask first to my three guests here. As always, the Indianapolis Field Office represents with Crystal Keith and Super Joseph Reesus and Adrian Serrano, graphic man, writer man, music man, voter man, uh, is joining us as well. If you're watching, hey, check us out. If you're not, just trust. Their voices will pop up soon. What I want to know first, all three of you, is how many players roughly, how many players did you vote for? Did you adhere to a 10 rule? Did you go over ten? Uh, how'd you go about it?
1: I think I went eleven i I really just voted ten minutes ago. I'm not going to lie to you, <laughs> and I think it was about eleven. <laughs>
0: You get to keep your card, at least. You do get to keep your card.
1: Uh it's like, oh <laughs> crap, we gotta record. I need to vote. I'm a mess. Brutal Odyssey
0: out of indie. Uh uh Super Joseph, uh, what what'd you do?
2: Yeah, I I didn't keep a Count, but I know that it was about 10 that I voted for. Um yeah, wasn't trying to hit a specific number. Um Ooh. yeah, pretty much yeah, did a brief review of all the players on there and made my decisions um pretty much one by one and yeah, but picked about 10 yeah.
0: Some self-policing going on here. Okay, Adrian, did you vote like a true chicago Um
2: I think I I think I said it on the
3: last pod, but I think I settled on eleven. Eleven yes, ten no's. Um And yeah, it was a, it was a tough list, but I was, I, and I, that was kind of even with like, I could have went more yeses, but I was being kind of strict on like, if they really were White Sox Hall of Famers to me.
0: Well, though I am far from Chicago, I did vote like a true Chicagoan. I might have voted for everybody. I voted for more than 10. I definitely voted for more than 10 because I knew there was going to be some people saying, oh, you know, Chris Sale's still playing. I can't vote for him. Or that counts on the Black Sox. I can't vote for him. Or I don't know who that is. and I am not going. I can't read a bio, so I'm not going to vote for him. Uh, so, yeah, I'm offsetting those folks. I, and, obviously, all these guys are worthy. It's just a made-up Hall of Fame. We're making it up, you know. we can can, can, can get some people in oh no actually you know we're (laughs) once that funding comes through from SB Nation we are going to build the building Crystal don't worry but we're just waiting on our funding uh let's do a quick rundown of where some players are at uh we have a couple locks uh, unless there's a huge weekend vote that's going to come galloping in we do have some locks uh (laughs) including Wilbur Wood who seems to be the slam dunk Of this election, currently at 94%. That's up from 68 last vote. Uh, A lot of Wilbur Wood love uh, coming out of the electorate. Uh, Hey, he's deserving. Uh, Not going to nitpick that one for sure. Uh, Red Faber at 85% seems pretty solid. 85%, not a lot, but looks like finally a guy who's in the Hall of Fame, (laughs) the real Hall of Fame, is going to be in the White Sox Hall of Fame. We got some guys on the cusp. Jose Abreu in his first year, you know there are a lot of people out there saying, he's still playing, I can't put him in a Hall of Fame, currently at 80%. In his first year on the ballot, uh, looks like uh, Hoyt Wilhelm, 79%, up from 60%. So he's right on the cusp there. I mean, we're talking at this point, 5, 10 votes either way, uh, could take him uh, push him in as a guarantee or out. Robin Ventura, with just a little bump, like one more person voted for Robin this time around than last. He's up from 74%, just missed, pulled the old Nellie Fox, just missed last year, and now is at 78. Too many people still remembering him as manager uh, and saying, I'm not sure that he should be in the White Sox all him yet. It's too, it's too soon. It's too, the, the, the wounds are still too fresh. Uh, some others who are on the cusp who could actually still push in. Jack McDowell. <laughs> I'm not really sure what to make of Jack McDowell at 70%, but he has almost doubled his vote from uh, last time around at 70%. Chris Sale, though still playing and no longer a White Sox, uh, at 66%. Ray Schalk, White Sox Hall of Famer, still struggling to get the respect from the electorate at 69%. So in theory, there could be eight players elected. And if so, I'll probably have to tone down the vote for everybody rule. Uh, But as of right now, four five five players on track not a bad class uh any surprises in what you see in the trends obviously crystal you've just been you've just been in the voting booth so you're like man this is fresh but uh surprises positive or negative in terms of what we're seeing in i guess the early band of results
1: i was happy to see uh chet is up a little bit um his numbers actually weren't bad at all i was really surprised to see how high jack mcdowell was um and I was kind of surprised about Chris Sale. I said last time, I'm voting for Chris Sale. I, I don't care. Um, but I was pleased to see where he was sitting, too, that he could potentially make it. I had no surprise with Jose Abreu. I figured his numbers would be super high, no matter what.
0: I'm actually a little surprised. Maybe he's not even even higher, but I guess that's the, the group that says, hey, let the guy retire and we'll vote him in. But we don't play by rules at Southside Tech. We haven't built a building yet. So there aren't really any rules yet. We don't have walls or foundation yet. So uh, uh, Adrian, Joe, what what do you think?
3: Um, Yeah, uh, Jack McDowell, a bit surprising, but it's just, uh, there's something, just a name that people know, like not even sure if he's the best of the, you know, the staff at that time, you know, (laughs) there's some, maybe some other guys that I might go before him, but Um, we talked about Wilbur Wood, like Wilbur Wood absolutely deserves to be in 20 years on the same team. You should automatically get in regardless of, you know, your, uh, statistics, but wouldn't have expected him to be the runaway leader in yes votes. I was expecting like a Chris Sale or a Jose Abreu to be like 90% plus, but a lot of, uh, older people I think are really taking the hard line on Jose Abreu, not retired, no hall of fame. Um, Chris Sale also, uh. I think uh, surprising the support for somebody that's no longer on the team. I think people still look at him fondly, but uh, I'm surprised that people are so eager to support him still.
0: It's worth mentioning before I let Joe jump in that Wilbur Wood currently at 94%. That might be the highest total we've ever had. I mean, Frank Thomas was in on a first year. I don't know that he even got, I'd have to check. This is clearly going to be, would be one of the highest uh percentages somebody's elected on especially i mean if it was robin Venturno, maybe i might understand wilberwood 68 percent on the cusp i guess uh last election last year but now his shot up to 94 we're gonna have to find out from the voters exactly what moved them from 2021 to 2022 uh in favor of wilberwood knuckleball fever man is it knuckleball fever joe
2: Yes, um, that's a good point about McDowell being kind of a familiar name with him being um, among the, the more recent side of players on this ballot, so maybe that played a role into the amount of support that he's gotten. One very pleasant surprise I had was the enormous jump that Red Faper made, um 53% last year to 85% this year, which is phenomenal and very much deserved, and... You touched on it in the piece, uh, you know, right before his poll, but yeah, if he was fully healthy for the 1919 World Series, um, that very well may have played out differently. Um, Yeah, 1919 was a bit of an uncharacteristically off year for Faber on the mound in terms of his stats, but he... I'd be willing to bet even still that he would not have put up, you know, a, just a complete clunker like, you know, Seacott in game one or um, uh, Williams in game eight. Uh, you know, he, he would have gone out there and put out, you know, decent performances, you know, and, and um, yeah, that's one of the biggest what-ups in history, but outstanding career entirely with the White Sox. And, yeah, like you said, in the real Hall of Fame, I feel very strongly that he should be in this as well.
0: Not that we're all still traumatized by the events of a hundred years ago, but it would just be a little bit easier to feel good about being a White Sox fan if there wasn't a thing called the Black Sox that they make Hollywood movies about, and guys who should have been in the Hall of Fame at least two uh Scott and uh shoeless Joe, of course, at least two denied because of their participation um, so yeah that's a boy that's a what if that did not fall in our favor uh George Davis is in the Hall of Fame, and I understand George Davis played 120 years ago but he was a really good player he's still polling just at 42 percent. he is in the hall of fame
3: yeah it's the on other the- one is uh not in the hall of fame but i think that Sherm lawler deserves more credit for what he did on those teams like as the catcher like his whole career just like completely behind yogi berra just like in everything like just completely forgotten because he he was on the Yankees with Yogi Berra for a second there and, like, just could never overpass him. But just, like, everything he did was great. He won those, uh, you know, first, I think, two, two or three uh, gold gloves when they came in. And that was for the whole league at the time, National and American League. Like, amazing defensive catcher, great leader, and led that staff that was very good at the time. But uh, not a lot of name recognition, I don't think, in uh, Sox fandom.
0: Go-go Sox fatigue. It seems like everyone else who was really a huge part of that, though he was not a runner, of course, but I mean, certainly the core guys, pitching staff and hitters from that team are in the Hall of Fame. So maybe it's just like, it's just just one too many, Adrian. Yes, it seems like Sherm Lawler is making the slow trudge toward immortality. So maybe by the time the building has at least begun, at least maybe we have the cornerstone for it, he will be elected. But I think he is probably on his way. Uh, On the flip side... And maybe this is a benefit of being able to vote for more than ten. Although just based on the poll here, that, that maybe isn't a factor at all. Maybe most people would say, maybe I maxed out at ten. Maybe it's just a reflex action. But we do not have the small, small totals. There's been years where players have been completely shut out. Uh, but the rule has changed from uh, getting no votes kicks you off the ballot. You don't have to make any five percent thing. We're not. We try to stay away from the BB. WAA as much as possible. So we're not going with that rule, but we are going with the rule that says whoever trails the vote, the least amount of votes will drop off the ballot. Right now, there is quite a fight on the flip side for that. Joe Horland at 31%. Lance Johnson at 29% right now would fall off the ballot based on the fact that the only other competition, there's Johnny Mostel at 30%. Uh, So those are pretty high totals. But somebody is going to somebody's going to drop off. And if a couple of the guys end up tying, they're both going to drop off just to sort of keep the ballot fresh. We don't have a ton of new names, a ton of hot names like Jose Abreu this year to throw onto the ballot. So, you know, this keeps it, I guess, fresh and open. But uh, uh, um, among those three, I mean, really, our name recognition as fans under the age of 70. Yes, believe it or not, I'm not yet 70. Uh, really, there's just one dog. is the only guy we're really going to even recognize. Donnie Mahousel is a guy who was very, very troubled, extremely talented, was very troubled, and had his career cut short in part because of that, although he ended up devoting his life to the White Sox. He was a scout, a coach with the White Sox. And Joe Horland, an incredible, incredible gifted arm, just like Gary Peters, Tommy John, who was a great, great 60s staff. So really, it's a shame that there may have to be a loser here. But one of those guys is going to fall off. Did any of you vote for any of those guys to pres- pr- to pr- make a case for for them?
3: I was very close to just, like, getting another uh, fanboy Homer pick for Lance Johnson, but I couldn't make a case for it. Like, my, I was going to try to make this tangential leap of, like, well, they didn't re-sign Lance Johnson so that Mike Cameron could have more playing time, and then Mike Cameron eventually got spun into Kernerko, which, you know... He, you, you struggle. You can make that argument all day because technically Cameron is by far the best player out of those three, you know, career wise. But um, without Canerco, like that's a much different looking team for quite a few years for the White Sox and, you know, World Series championship with him being the captain.
0: I'm going to make you carve uh, or at least write the plaque when Lance Johnson makes because I need I need that strange little connection being made, Adrian. But basically saying, hey, we don't have PK hitting a grand slam in the World Series unless there's a one dog. And he was a pretty darn good player. He hit a lot of triples. Nothing more fun than watching a triple uh, in baseball. Okay, we have some, uh, some of the bonus categories. Uh, there are some that are runaways. There are some that are surprisingly tight. So I guess I'm going to just survey uh, survey and see where you guys voted on each of these. The gimmick and promotion category, which has been a popular one. I think we've had that voted on more times than any It seems like a dogfight between the centerfield shower from the 70s and names on the back of the uniform from 1960. Uh, strong passions
1: for either one of those. I voted for the shower. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's pretty cool. In fact, we still have it at the park It's sort of cool.
1: That was my basis was that it was still there. It's like, oh, it seems good enough.
3: I went uh, I went for dog day. Seems very popular.
1: Yeah.
3: yeah.
0: And something the socks really put, I mean, I'm sure they didn't invent it. I assume someone someone did it before them. But I mean, they they really pushed it. And it's been a, I mean, I remember when they had dog day, like in August, and that was fun for the dogs. So, you know, at least they, you know, they're, they're continuing to evolve it. And, uh, you know, that's good. And sooner or later, Adrian, I think dog day is going to be in the white. House. Come on. First of all, there's only so many promotions. So uh, let's see. 2005 moment is ridiculous. It's like cutthroat. I think the only thing that's not getting votes is the one that I inserted that didn't have to do with the playoffs. So that tells me how exciting 2005 uh, regular season compared to postseason season uh, stacks up, but really every, I think uh, Scotty uh, pods and his home run is leading, but it's just like by a vote or two, uh, some strong feelings there, or did did everybody here vote for uh, Scotty? I might have just thrown the Joe Creedy regular season just because I came up with it and I knew nobody vote for it, so I I'm going to recuse myself from this discussion. But uh, where did you all vote for 2005?
1: I voted Scotty Pods.
2: I voted for Canerco, but really both of those options are totally okay. I mean, Game Two of the 2005 World Series is still my favorite sports game of you know, and, and of all time. It doesn't, not just baseball, for, but for all sports, just given how exciting that game was and the importance of it. Um, you know, the, all the back and forths and that crazy ninth inning. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. um, Gave the edge to Canerco because it did swing the win probability a little bit more than the Pitsednik-Homer, um, because it brought the the White Sox essentially from a pretty losing situation um, in that game to a winning situation, up from 28% to 86%, which was a little bit of a bigger swing than the Pitsetnik one, which they were, at that point, they were already in a slightly winning position before he hit it um, when it was a tie game in the bottom of the ninth. Um, But really both of those are... Amazing options. And yeah, I can't really tell the story of the 2005 White Sox without both
0: of those home runs. Bad boy Sox math. Joe Reese is ignoring the fact that Scott Pott's home run gave the White Sox 100% win probability, but it's okay. I accept that answer. It's it's on the ballot. Uh, Adrian, you're the tiebreaker.
3: Um, I think I'm on record saying that the Scotty Pods homer is my favorite personal moment from the uh, 2005 run. But uh, my vote went towards uh, El Duque's escape in Boston, which was maybe the most pivotal moment of that playoff run, because they didn't really have a lot of trouble after that. But, you know, that was a very dangerous Boston team. And if they uh, lose that game there, it's a completely different short series. Um, and, you know, maybe they don't even get out of that round.
0: To be fair, both home runs have permanently discolored the seats to blue in the White Sox outfield. So in the White Sox eyes, they are equal. Uh, con- the contributor category is sort of rough when you've got guys like Charles Comiskey and Jerry Reinsdorf on the list. It's a neck and neck battle between Hawk Harrelson and Minnie Mignoso, Uh Two very different people, but uh, two guys who contributed a whole lot to the White Sox I probably voted Minnie. I don't remember, but uh, how did everybody else go?
1: I voted Minnie as well. I I just adore him, and in my time of writing and researching him, I couldn't I couldn't not vote Minnie. Minnie, Ugh, I can't talk today. Minnie.
2: I really didn't like having to choose between those two. I mean, I'm an enormous fan of both of them. I gave my votes to Hawk just because Minnie's in as a player already um yeah he certainly had my vote as a player um but, but yeah those were those two people were certainly like my two front runners in in this poll by miles um but yes um <laughs>
0: We will know who will win the next time this category comes up, because it's whoever didn't win this time, unless we get a whole lot of really great contributors coming in. Recon, you have hope. Uh, Adrian, uh, where'd you vote there?
3: I voted for Minnie, because he got jerked around by the (laughs) (laughs) BBW. He he deserves to go in right away here. Uh, Hawk will get in eventually. I'm not worried about it. Um,
0: Charlie
3: Comiskey should probably be in the Hall of Fame also, but it's hard to get anybody right now during a lockout to vote for owners. So... (laughs)
0: Uniform is the other one that's just neck and neck and neck. There are three necks in this one. The 1983s that are, I have to say, a bit overdone as the permanent Sunday uniform. And that is my sweet spot as a fan. 1917, all the stigma attached. And 1959, go, go, socks. Pretty much a tie at this point. Uh, Where would everybody vote there? I think I went 1917 because I'm almost 70.
3: I voted 83 so that we can retire them and just take them <laughs>
0: <That's> for, <rethinking.
3: laughs> bring them out. Yeah. Bring them back out in 30 years and we could see them again. But like, I think they're, yeah, we've seen enough of
0: them for now.
1: Trying to remember what I voted for.
0: Word on the street crystals. It was just moments ago.
1: i um, I'm looking. <laughs> Oh, it was a 59 classic pinstripes. Yeah, that's true. Uh,
0: Certainly, uh, uh, you know, sort of made the way for the classic look that Adrian's grappling with right now in a whole nother podcast. Uh, Yeah, because it's just really derivative of that look. And boy, after a lot of time out there, just uh, wandering, wandering in the wilderness, coming back to something that was sort of a classic pinstripe look, Was probably a really smart move to go along with the new park. And it's lasted a really really long time uh joe what was your favorite among those three i assume it's one of those three
2: i went with the 59 pinstripes and um yes lot um yeah i just yeah, like like the design um not that i would you know be that credible of a source for that sort of thing but um yes there's there's that there's the fact that there's a lot of you know positive memories associated with that team in terms of you know what they accomplished um yeah certainly one of the most noteworthy and successful teams in in white sox history um and yeah this would have been my vote regardless um but it, it, i will say that the having it be the like the 1970s um field of dreams pinstripes as it was put on the poll um It did at least, like, it was at least maybe a very, very slight hindrance to voting for that to have Field of Dreams on it, because I knew that I would be talking about this on the podcast, probably with Crystal, and I didn't want (laughs) to have to justify voting for that with her her on the podcast
1: You guys, made Ooh. me out to be so mean. It's, a, it's, a, it's no, no,
2: no, I, no, It's it's totally a fine opinion. Like, yeah, I, I assume the movie's not very good. I still haven't seen it, but but yes, that. Uh, <laughs> the
3: next the next podcast is no. uh, about Field of Dreams, the movie, and <laughs> Do uh, not Zach Collins.
0: <sighs> but man, we no, got prism in the field office. Wow! <laughs>
1: <laughs> Watch out at the water cooler, man. Crystal giving her opinions and hot takes on what's <laughs> terrible in the white socks.
0: Yeah. I, I think you have some extra delicious pastries waiting for you in the break room at the field office. After that answer there, Joe, uh, I think <laughs> we can agree though. Come Sunday, my goodness, on the Sunday games. Can't, I, I really thought this was a natural it's, it's, it's marketing. You sell more jerseys for a while there before they settled on this Sunday uniform thing, which I guess has been a trend uh, around Major League Baseball, the White Sox were rotating in a lot of interesting jerseys. Among them, the '83s. I believe they had like the '06s. Those were crazy. Uh, they've had a variety of jerseys, and I don't know why they don't take advantage of the fact that their White Sox have a 20, 120 years of history. Uh, there's always going to be some kind of anniversary year of something, you know, decent if not great, something pretty decent. It's really shocking to me that they have just settled on this idea that it's like, well, the 83s are sort of like our 1A uniforms. I can't imagine the players just go bonkers for them either. Uh, I know Chris Sales had some real opinions about throwbacks. I guess you can't be just too nuts about just throwing anything out there, like softball uniforms, but – Geez, you'd think they just mix it up a little bit more on Sundays and and you know, I don't know what it'd be for 2022, but there's got to be something that resonates more than what happened in 1982 to justify wearing those again every every single Sunday. I hope that's something the White Sox
1: I've got a hot take. Please. We're gonna bring back the vests for Sunday games.
0: Why not? You Thank know, you. why not? Those are pretty cool. Why am I'd like there?
3: to see like the, you know, the 93, 94 black jerseys with like the big numbers. Like they are not, uh, they're very 90s, but like, just like, yeah, I like it cycling through a bunch of things. This is just a bunch of very interesting, yeah. as, as I, you know, I've been exploring, there's a bunch of very interesting uh, <laughs> logo and uniforms in the history of this team to not just like settle on this 1983 thing and just ride it into the ground.
0: Hey, White Sox fans, you thought you might have a commercial-free episode. You don't. SP Nation demands to sell you some things. They're going to sell them to you right now. We'll be back in a minute. Hey, White Sox fans, welcome back to the second half, a very truncated second half, because we had so much fun talking about the White Sox Hall of Fame and everything we're getting right and wrong about the vote that we're not going to be able to devote a full half of the show to the lockout. And really, who wants to do that? What's new? Though the owners have made one offer to players in 70 days, uh, we believe that later today, Thursday, uh, the uh, ownership, Rob Manford, will announce that there's going to be some delay or whatever, they're breaking spring training. You know, we're, it's fully anticipated, <laughs> certainly more likely than we've come to an agreement. Uh, thoughts on how this stuff is proceeding with <laughs> the CBA that isn't? Not I well.
2: a feeling. Oh, sorry, go ahead.
3: I just said not well. <laughs> not well.
2: Yes, I had a feeling that you know at the beginning of the off-season, it would be a messy one and it would take a while to get an agreement sorted out. Um, especially after how dramatic just working out the details of the 2020 season was. Um, and it seemed like there, there was a lot of drama there when it was relatively easy. I felt to to avoid drama um, and and totally siding with the the players on on this debate for for what it's worth. But yeah, it just, just seemed like uh, yeah, in general the owners were a little bit on the greedy side there, and I kind of expected more of the same. It, I did think that by you know now you know almost in the middle of February though, that we would be further along than this. And I think it's probably pretty unlikely that Manfred says something that <laughs> makes people feel any better. And so, it, yeah, more waiting to do, which I I didn't really think we would still be this far away from it at, at this point in the offseason, which has been disappointing.
0: Chris, I'm going to give you a leading question. Um... This is 30 years since there's been a lockout. The world has changed in many ways. There was no social media 30 years ago. And one thing that's really impressed me about the players, uh, not that I expected they wouldn't be this way, but the unified message, almost completely unified message, they've been giving out on social media. And the fact that guys are not forgetting, the guys who have made their millions do not seem to be forgetting that a big part of this argument are for the little guys, which they all were. At some point, Max Scherzer was a minimum salary guy and Whit Merrifield was a minimum salary guy. Uh, You think these players are going to uh, remain this unified? Are you impressed by sort of the unity of message they put out there so far, just in the early going here, unfortunately?
1: Yeah, I am. I am really impressed. I like that they've stood up, especially Max. I think what he said um, alone was just really powerful and, It makes me feel better that they realize that, like you just said, it is the little guys that really, at the end of the day, make them their money. They buy their jerseys, you know, and I think they realize that this is for the fans and the owners just kind of need to buckle up and get over themselves, which totally because I side with the players. And I think with this lockout being as long as it has been so far, I think they're going to stay really united as players because it affects everybody i mean obviously the players are making millions but i mean it affects them they want to play they're just sitting at home doing nothing i saw this video of somebody i can't remember what player it was but they were pretending like they were trying to go into their like complex and the key fob wasn't working but like they're pissed and they're bored and they want to play and i can't blame them so i think they will all kind of it's gonna be like bond over this and keep it up
0: it's gonna become like the start of the pandemic when everybody was like locked inside and you have everybody doing like rube goldberg you know like devices and stuff you're gonna have just like you know it's gonna be mlb company or maybe we'll just have more video game competitions like ashley Sanders covered for us when lucas giolito almost won the mlb the show whatever whatever the heck that was um okay so then uh Predictions at this point, um, as we approach mid-February, as we approach spring training, I'd like to know from each of you, when will opening day be? Give me a day.
1: May 1st. I, yeah. May 1st.
3: I've, I'm on record many times now saying that the, the owners just came into this never wanting to pay for a full season. Um, so I think we'll get uh, a deal done. It'll be a bit of a shorter spring. Um, I'm hoping May 1st as well. Um, but middle of May by the end, I think if there's going to be a season, it's going to be.
0: Joe,
2: I'll go April 15th. I'll be slightly more optimistic. They'll, <laughs> yes. They'll, they'll find some sort of way. I'll, I'll be um, a little bit in the direction of, of James Fox and for at least uh, remove a little bit of the cold water.
3: Just uh, That just means that uh, Joseph bought a bunch of uh, single-game Sox tickets. <laughs> <around the laughs> and he's just hoping I, for the best.
0: They're honoring the Sox man super champion Hall of Famer on, like, April 28th. He's got to be there. Come on. That I thought it was great. so
3: funny. They sent out this email about single-game Sox tickets, and they can't even show the players. It's just a bunch <laughs> of crowd shots. Like, <laughs>
0: come watch yourself. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. Maybe I am... Maybe I maybe I didn't realize it. Maybe I am seventy. I am not nearly so optimistic. I don't think it's going to be necessarily a sixty-game season. I could see hundred being the high end. I don't know what that works out to be, but it's, I don't even think it's May first. I'll say, uh, I'll say, I'll say first day of summer. I'll say June twenty-first. Right now, I hope I'm
1: wrong. No, I, I want done. birthday baseball. Yeah, come <laughs> I'm on, go for the On The nineteenth. Can we speed it up? Before June 19th. So I can have birthday baseball. That would I'm going to great. amend my pick. I'm going to
0: say June 19th is when we have opening day for the Chicago White. Sox. Thank you. And we'll get roughly half a season. And obviously the, the, the owners will still get close to, if not all of their TV money, because they'll get some kind of weird expanded playoffs and 3DHs or whatever comes together. So an extra, extra concessions, extra expensive concessions, the helmet nationals will be even bigger. So they'll make all their money up in a second. Players won't players never do. Uh, okay, well, this is our labor talk portion. We'll wind this up. Certainly next podcast, we'll be talking about it again. Uh, we don't know when it'll be. It probably will be, oh, we know what it'll be. It'll be Monday because we'll be announcing the White Sox Hall of Fame. And in case you're tired of us talking about it, well, pfft, uh, what else we got to talk about? We're going to talk, They we'll talk about the different, maybe I can stick Adrian on this. We can maybe begin designing. Perhaps he can become an architect for a day. We can design the building. We'll talk about, you know, how the building's going to look, how the wings will be, how weird the promotions and gimmicks hallway is going to be, because it's going to be freaky. It's going to freak all of you out. Again, we're just waiting for the SB Nation. Uh, if, you, if you bought a bunch of the products that you just heard about 10 minutes ago, uh, that's great because that will help us get our, our funding for the Southside Sox, White Sox Hall of Fame. Hey, if you haven't voted like Crystal did, it was easy. Wasn't it easy, Crystal? It was like,
1: it was like nothing. So easy. And it reminded me that in this hall, if we could just have an interactive Yolmer Gatorade. Oh, my God. Like, that's at the very end. It's just him pouring Gatorade on you instead of him. But if we could just have that in the hall.
0: Yolmer's Gatorade Antics is an entry in the, what is it, the oddities, the new oddities category. And so by the time this actually gets built, Yolmer certainly will. If he doesn't win this year, I don't think he's on track to win this year. If he doesn't, he will be in by that time. So we absolutely will have the interactive Yomer Gatorade or, cho- we're or choose have, your beverage. We're choose
3: your, your have beverage. The Yomer shower. Gatorade, the Yomer Gatorade uh, exhibit. We're gonna have the cut your own jersey Chris Sale exhibit. Oh, we're true. gonna have the You're Drake speaking
1: La Roche,
0: my language. the
3: LaRoche leadership camp. Oh. Like we're gonna we're gonna do it up.
0: You've just <laughs> reminded me to add Chris Sale cutting jerseys up to the oddities, because it sure is. Oh, man, that could be the landslide next year. Okay, okay well this wraps up the delightful podcast number 83, the jerseys that we know you're tired of on Sundays. Thank you, Adrian. And, of course, the Annapolis field office, Crystal and Joe. Let's do this again, maybe in a few more days. Thanks for joining me now. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Got you. you.